Thank you for joining us for our weekly ICEJ webinar, and uh, it's great to have you with us. We have people starting to, to come in. If you're watching on Facebook Live or over on YouTube and you need translation, we have a couple languages here, uh, Chinese, Portuguese, and Spanish. If you wanna come over to uh, the Zoom link, it's uh, on.icej.org slash ICEJ webinar. It's the ICEJ and W are capitals. Everything else is small letters. And you can come over and get translation, but we just want to welcome everyone to our uh, webinar this Thursday uh, here in the, at the end of April. Today we're talking uh, about uh, this question, can Prime Minister Netanyahu stay in power. We we're just a few days away before uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu's uh, mandate to try and form a government after the March 23rd elections. It'll run out next Tuesday on May 4th. And uh, it just seems uh, the path for him to form a government keeps getting narrower and narrower by the hour, but there's still a chance. And to help us sort all this out, uh, today, we have our friend Josh Reinstein, who is the director of the uh, Knesset Christian Allies Caucus and also is the executive director of the Israel Allies Foundation. So there's a, a caucus of uh, members of Knesset who engage with Christians from around the world who support Israel. And then Josh is also involved in this effort to create sister caucuses, pro-Israel caucuses in parliaments around the world. Josh, how are you doing? I hear you're up to 50 parliaments now around the world. Yes, that's correct. Uh, we have uh, 50 Israel allies caucuses around the world and about 1200 members of parliament in our network. And uh, they take their biblical support for Israel and turn it into real political action, which we call faith-based diplomacy. So uh, we're rolling and, and things are going well. Thank you. It's an honor to be here once again with our global partners at the uh, ICJ. Okay, and uh, Josh uh, is uh, in, inside the Knesset in many ways with the Christian Allies Caucus there. Uh, it's been a, a bit of a challenge in the last uh, two years because of four elections. Every time you have an election, you start forming a, a new caucus, getting new members on it and all, and then all of a sudden you go to new elections. But Josh, before we really uh, you know, get a, a good perspective from you on where we stand, let me share a little PowerPoint to help uh, our people understand uh, where things are. And uh, I know that there are millions and millions of Christians around the world who love Israel and have a great ad admiration for Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. And we want to try and give a good, objective, sober analysis using Josh's inside knowledge uh, to get this. Uh, let me also apologize for Michael Freund, our other uh, um, scheduled guest who can't make it. He's got a, uh, an urgent matter of trying to get some B'nai Menashe into the country from India and with the virus raging there, he's not able to join us because he's trying to put together an emergency flight for that. Please be praying for it. And we hope to be helping him with that flight. But uh, we do have Josh who, you know, is inside the Knesset, knows uh, so many of the members there and the parties and what they're doing. But first here, a little she uh, screen share uh, on this question. Uh, can Prime Minister Netanyahu stay in power? Okay, there we go. All right, we're full screen. Of course, Prime Minister Netanyahu had a, a three-year stint as the uh, Prime Minister back in the late 90s. Uh, after he was defeated by Ehud Barak, he took a timeout from politics, came back into Likud politics um, uh, in uh, 2006 or so, uh, after uh, uh, Sharon had formed Kadima, moved to the center, and uh, then he um, uh, defeated uh, uh, Zippy Livni in an election in 2009 and has been in power ever since. So he is officially Israel's longest serving prime minister. 
Uh, it depends on how you define winning an election, but he's uh, now won more elections than any other uh, Israeli political figure. Uh, he's been uh, just a uh, you know, master at the Israeli political game. He's done uh, so much for the country economically, promoting startup nation, uh, free markets, uh, uh, security-wise. He's known as Mr. Mr. Security. Uh, and so many things that he's done for the country. But now there's been four elections in a row trying to unseat him. Uh, I think the fact alone that if they do manage to pry him from the throne within the next few days or so, and it, it uh, really uh, is uh, looking that's a real possibility now, uh, the fact that he has survived four elections and is still in the prime minister's seat in itself only adds to his legacy as a statesman and, and Israeli leader. Uh, but uh, here's the problem. We're going to look uh, just for a minute at the numbers. The new Knesset that was elected in late March, uh, of course, Likud here with Netanyahu as the head, they are the largest party with 30 seats. And I have these parties listed in groupings. The, the Azure Blue here are all the right parties right of center. Shas is the Sephardi religious party headed by R.A. Derry, nine seats. Yamina is a religious, uh, Zion, conservative religious, Zionist, uh, secular, and others, uh, headed by Naftali Bennett. You know, United Tory Judaism, Moshe Gafni, Religious Zionism. This is a new uh, leader of the, the far right uh, religious Zionist, nationalist, and religious is uh, Bezalel Smotrich. And uh, Israel Batenu, the Russian party, and they're hawkish on security issues. So we put them in the right with Avigdor Lieberman. And New Hope, uh, uh, Tikva Hadash with uh, Gidon Sa'ar, who was in the Likud, but now has his own party trying to unseat Netanyahu. We can see that you have 72 seats out of the Knesset. You only need 61 to form a government, to, form, uh, to pass a, a coalition government. Uh, they have 72 seats on the right. But there's two of these parties, Lieberman and Gidon Sa'ar with Israel Batenu and New Hope, respectively, who are refusing to sit in a government with uh, um, Netanyahu uh, because he's under, uh, he's at, uh, not only under indictment, but uh, now facing a trial in a trio in three um, fraud and, and uh, breach of trust uh, cases against him. Uh, but, uh, you know, so it's hard for Netanyahu to come up with 61 seats here. Uh, the other parties, uh, what I've done is I put in a red asterisk behind all the parties that are in, they call it the change uh, block. They want to change from Netanyahu, but it's really the the anti-Netanyahu block that are refusing the, in the elections. They promise their people will not sit under Netanyahu in a government. Um, and uh, you've got in the center Yeshatid with Yair Lapid. They're the second largest party. Uh, but uh, And then Blue and White with Benny Gantz, uh, Labor with... Uh, 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 Mirab Mecheli, the Arab Joint List, Ayman Adey, and Meretz uh, with Nitzan Horowitz. And then I put in green down here, uh, uh, the Ra'am party. It's a breakaway from the Arab Joint List, headed by Mansour Abbas. They have four seats. They're the smart, smallest party. But if Netanyahu was able to bring in Shas, and Yamina, Naftali Bennett has, has not refused to sit in a government with, Net, uh, with Netanyahu. Uh, uh, you bring in UTJ and Gaffney, religious Zionism, and uh, uh, Ra'am as an out supporting a Likud led government, a Netanyahu led government from outside the coalition, where meaning they wouldn't have any cabinet seats, but they would get certain Knesset seat uh, chairmanships and certain other political goodies in order to vote with the government and support the government 
uh, over time. And this is more, it's an Islamist party, an Arab Islamist party, but they've, uh, their leader, Mansour Abbas, has been very pragmatic, says, I want to do stuff for the Arab uh, uh, sector of Israeli society. I just don't want to sit here and support the Palestinian cause and not, uh, you know, ignore our own constituency. And so he's sort of playing the line, but he has not uh, agreed yet to a government that would uh, keep Netanyahu in power. Netanyahu has a few days left till next Tuesday to try and form this government. Some sources say he's sort of given up on it. Uh, because the, it's just, uh, he doesn't see it, that it would be workable. The problem is that Smotrich, here in this uh, far-right religious Zionism party with six seats, uh, is refusing to sit in a government with, uh, that is supported even from the outside by an Arab party. So the math just doesn't work. And that's Netanyahu's problem. But even the center left under uh, Yeshati, blue and white, labor, merits, even if uh, um, Israel Batanu Lieberman, Gideon Sa'ar New Hope, and Yamina with Naftali Bennett even if they were to try and form uh, uh, what they call a unity government, government national unity, they would still need a boss in it. And even uh, Naftali Bennett, he's just held a meeting with a boss. This is probably uh, increasingly, it seems like a more viable path to a government which would uh, end uh, uh, Netanyahu's uh, term uh, as prime minister but uh, it's still breaking a taboo here in Israel, and we'll see where this goes. And again, let me just put up some faces here. Netanyahu, Yair Lapid of uh, the centrist uh, Yeshatid party. Here's Naftali Bennett, um, who uh, is head of Yamina on the right. He's really in the driver's seat here. He could go for Netanyahu. He could serve as prime minister himself. I think Josh will help us sort that out. And that whole question, Gidon Sa'ar, former Likud, uh, uh, within uh, Likud party, a rival to Netanyahu, who's now got his own party. Lieberman, the Russian leader who was refusing, even he was uh, a director general in, uh, when Netanyahu was prime minister. First time he was in the prime minister's office, but has since broken away from Bibi. Uh, here's Smotrich uh, on the far right, who refuses to sit with Mansour uh, Abbas here. Uh, there is Islamist party, there's trouble. There's, there are things about their party platform, uh, uh, their charter that are troubling, but he seems to be saying a lot of pragmatic and things that are conciliatory towards the Jewish public here. And of course, uh, Biddy Gantz, uh, who is part of the outgoing government and uh, tried to bring Bibi down last election, but finally joined him uh, because of the uh, corona crisis here. And uh, Josh, help us, help us sort this out. And, and really we need um, a good objective analysis on what are the options what do you see uh, happening over the next four or five days? Well, uh, that was a good uh, introduction, uh, and thank you. Um, look, Israeli politics is a crazy business. I don't think uh, you know of any other place uh, that's had four elections in two years. Uh, our system is very unique, I guess, in the fact that we don't have representative government, we have party lists. So when you go to an election, you vote for the party, and then depending on how many numbers that party gets, that's how many uh, people are in your, your uh, slate, and that's how many go to the Knesset. So there's no real direct election for the Knesset. And what's really unique about Israeli politics is there is no really left and right, uh, at least in the traditional sense. So um, our right-wing parties uh, may not be considered right-wing in some countries. Um, and our left-wing parties would not be considered left in some countries. Uh, the, the two different, the, the thing that makes you right and left has nothing to do with capitalism or economics or social agenda or family values like you have in other countries around the world, but rather your security uh, issues. And, you know, it's really divided into who's willing to give up land in the hopes of a uh, false peace, as I see it, 
and who's not willing to give a land. So our right-wing parties are parties that say that Oslo was a failure, pretty much. And so that's what makes it right. And what makes it very difficult to understand Israeli politics is that those issues have not been an issue in any of the last four elections. The only issue that's on the slate is do you want Benjamin Netanyahu or do you not want Benjamin Netanyahu? So when people go to elect a party, they're electing their party based on what the party says, if they'll sit with Netanyahu or not. Now, if you look at the uh, numbers that you put up, the Netanyahu party is the largest party uh, with 30 seats, but you need 61 seats to get a uh, government that actually works. Uh, so the great divide today in politics is who's willing to sit with Bibi and who's not willing to sit with Bibi, not any issue, which is actually very uh, unique. Because usually people care about issues, whether it be economic issues or military issues or domestic issues. Coronavirus is a big issue. All those have been put aside. And the real issue is, where will you sit? Um, today, if you look at the map, it's completely different than what you would think would be the outcome even two days ago. So one of the things you have to understand is that the situation is so dynamic that everything that is said by a party leader changes the situation dramatically. So two days ago, I was in the Knesset, and most people thought that the solution was that Prime Minister Netanyahu would allow either Bennett, uh, Nefeli Bennett, or Gidon Sar to be a Prime Minister for the first year of the, uh, the government, and then he would come back for the next two. Uh, then there was some political drama over the nomination of the Justice Minister, now, if, if you were a betting man, the, the, probably the, the best option would be, uh, probably the most uh, popular option would be uh, Benjamin uh, Bennett becoming prime minister and then Pierre Lapid becoming prime minister after him. So let's look at the four options. And they're all really too close to call. As I said, it's completely dynamic. It can change at any time. Um, none of them really give a path for Prime Minister to Prime Minister Netanyahu to continue as Prime Minister for a four-year term. So that's pretty much off the table. Uh, the best case scenario, I guess, for Benjamin Netanyahu right now would be a fifth election, whereby he would continue on as Prime Minister and then hopefully win the next election and then be Prime Minister. So the fifth election option is probably the best the best thing for Prime Minister Netanyahu if he wants to continue as Prime Minister. Um, that's very unlikely today because everyone is saying that they're going to do everything uh, not to go to a fifth election, but it's not impossible in our system. So what, what are the other options, the other three right now? Number one is the option I mentioned before. This option would be that uh, Naftali Bennett and Gidon Star Party would merge, and one of them would be the Prime Minister for a year, allowing a new prime minister to be here in Israel. And then after that year, Benjamin Netanyahu would become prime minister. This is a, 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 a solution that the right seems to like uh, because, and I mean the political right, the one that is against the two-state solution, uh, because it keeps the government in the right camp. So no member of the government will be from without the right camp. Uh, they're not worried about Gidon Saar or Naftali Bennett. Uh, in fact, if you look at it objectively, both Naftali Bennett and Gidon Saar are more right than Benjamin Netanyahu uh, in their politics. They're for uh, sovereignty in Judea Samaria, they're for judicial reform, they're for lower taxes, they're for a, a myriad of, of issues that are important for the right that hasn't happened under the uh, Netanyahu administration. So for the right, I think they like that solution. Uh, Benjamin Netanyahu would then, in that case, still live in the Balfour, uh, the Prime Minister's residence, our version of the White House, for the remain for that year, as uh, either Bennett or Saar would be Prime Minister, and then he would continue on as Prime Minister. Um, that seemed like a very likely possibility a couple of days ago. It's become less likely, uh, but still, it's an option, and we won't know until Tuesday if that happens. The next option, which the right is less inclined to like, is that, ben, that Bennett would become prime minister for the first year and a half. And then the next two years would be, uh, we would have prime minister Yair Lapid as our prime minister. Why is the right worried about that? 
Uh, it's because um, even though there are, as you mentioned, right-wing parties in that coalition, it would be Net uh, Naftali Bennett, it would be Gidon Saar, uh, even Abigail Lieberman, and Benny Gantz, who's seen as a centrist. Uh, and even the Yeshuti is not seen as so left-wing here, it seems a center-left party. You then would have uh, also uh, labor, which has become very left-wing, and merits, which is the extreme left, together with support by Ram. And, and I want to go back to what David said. Ram, the Arab Islamic Party, the problem with them supporting the government, even though um, the leader Abbas is actually more moderate than other leaders in the past, is members of the, that party have supported the Hamas terrorist organization. They visited Hamas members in jail. Um, they, they are, they are, there's a concern that if there's a government like that, that led, that leaned on this Arab party, that if God forbid we had to go to war in Gaza, that the, the idea of that could actually bring down the government uh, in a defensive war. So there is concerns a lot on the right, whereas the left liked that solution more, the right doesn't like that solution, but that seems that's the most prevalent solution right now. Uh, that's like I said, a betting man would probably say that's what's going to happen. It would mean that both Naftali Bennett and Yunus Sarr would have to break some campaign promises not to sit with Meretz and to lean on uh, the Abbas, but uh, in the interest of not going to a fifth election, um, there, there is an idea that they are prepared to do that. Now, another option that is not seen as such a great option by the right, but it's coming to form as well, would be to, for Benjamin Netanyahu to go back to the deal with the blue and white party, Gantz, and allow Gantz to be prime minister right now. And so in that solution, Gantz would be prime minister first, together with the religious and the right-wing coalition. Um, and that um, you wouldn't have Gidon Saar in that government. It would be Naftali Bennett, Gantz, and Benjamin Netanyahu. And then Gantz is, is, would be prime minister first, and then Netanyahu would continue on as prime minister either a year and a half from now or two years from now. That's also an option that many people are not speaking about. Uh, and a lot of people are concerned about that because the Blue and White Party is a centrist party, and the people on the right, which as you mentioned, make up 72 seats out of 120, want a right-wing government. Uh, so really, it's too close to call. And the reason I say it's too close to call is that something can happen right now, and then all the cards are reshuffled and, and there's a new idea. But those four options, either a government led by Gantz, a government led by Naftali Bennett and then Yerlipid, a government led by Naftali Bennett or Gidon Saar, or fifth elections, are really the only four options left. Which means if your question is, what are the chances that Benjamin Netanyahu uh, remains as prime minister, I mean, it really looks, it, it's in the eye of the beholder. In a lot of these scenarios, except for the fifth election where he continues as prime minister and we go to elections and see if he can win again, he probably can't because he's done four times and he still hasn't been able to put together a government. But in the other scenarios, he won't remain as prime minister uh, for the near future. Now, in two of the three scenarios, he becomes prime minister again in a year from now or in a year and a half from now or even two years from now. Uh, so he's not out of politics. He still is, will be the alternate prime minister, which has uh, specific abilities. Uh, the main one is that nothing will be passed without his approval. Both the prime minister and the alternate prime minister have to agree on cabinet appointments, on military action, on finance. Um, so he'll still be a central player in politics, but um, he won't be the prime minister for the near future. So to answer your question, it's very unlikely, in my opinion, that he will remain prime minister, although um, there's always a chance of fifth elections, uh, and then in that case, he will. And there's also the chance that he will be prime minister in a year from now um, in a coalition deal. So I think that what's interesting about all this, and, and it's, it's you know sad for Israelis that we keep going back to elections, having elections again, is that Prime Minister Netanyahu is such a dominant figure that even though everyone realizes that if they vote for him, we might have to go to another election, he still comes out the largest party. Um, and, and, and that's something that is after 12 years of rule. You know, in, other, in America, for instance, you have two uh, four-year terms of eight years. In other places, there's caps on it. Here, we don't. So a, a lot of people really appreciate what Benjamin Netanyahu has been able to do. 
But on the other hand, there's a lot of people that don't want him to continue. They think that, uh, you know, it's time for new blood. So it's really split. And because of that split, uh, we're always finding ourselves in a situation where we can't put together a coalition. Um, I hope that uh, describes the situation as best as possible. I hope that gives some, uh, you know, puts shade some light on where we are right now. But I, I would like to say that any of those solutions in the end are not detrimental. Uh, there's not a huge policy shift waiting for us at the end of this. Um, any of the four, whether it be new elections or Bennett or Saar, or even Gantz is pretty much business as usual and how Israel runs things. They're all pretty close on issues, um, strategic issues. It's not like a decision between the right and the left, like you know tra traditionally, whereas if the left take over, it's a massive policy shift once the right's in, or if the right takes over, there's massive policy shift if the left's in. So it's not gonna be an earthquake here, whatever happens, it's not gonna be a major policy change, whatever happens. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. You know, uh, a lot of people are counting Prime Minister Netanyahu out, but he's a, they call him the magician. So he, he still has tricks off his sleeve, but he's got uh, a formidable uh, people against him. Um, Gidon Starr is, is also a tactician, very smart, uh, very well respected. Uh, he's a hero to the right. Naftali Bennett runs a party that's literally called the right. So the people on the right like them. Uh, Yer Lapid has a nice base of more secular Israelis who are center left. So there's a lot of power players in, in play here and it'll be interesting to see how it, it finishes out. But what everyone really believes is, is that whatever happens by Tuesday, uh, we'll know by then. Thank you, Josh. It's an excellent uh, summary of uh, where things stand and the different options. It's very, very uh, helpful. And I think, uh, you know, it's also very sobering that right now you say it doesn't look like there's a, a path, a viable path right now for Netanyahu to stay in office right now, even though he rightfully says, I have the largest party. I just won 30 seats and no one's even close. Uh, Lapid is almost half of what he has at 17 seats, but uh, it is um, it is what it is right now. And it was interesting over uh, the past week or so to hear some of the different options being uh, run up the flagpole, such as moving Netanyahu over to the president's office because uh, President Rivlin steps down in June, I believe. And the, the Knesset has to, it's the Knesset elects the next president. Let's put Netanyahu over there. It's an honorable sort of exit for him using this language that was used with uh, uh, when Prime Minister Ehud Olmert, because of his legal troubles, had, had to step down when he resigned. Looking at, but, but it was even people within Likud trying to come up with options that would give an honorable solution to this this impasse for Netanyahu to try and show respect and honor for a man who has been a real leader and pillar for Israel for a whole generation or more, and, and even a state a statesman on the on the world stage. Um, I, I just find that uh, interesting. And any of these uh, other, because they, I don't even know if he accepted them, but people even within his own Likud sort of see the writing on the wall right now, correct? Well, look, uh, that's why I didn't even mention that as an option. He, he says, at least for now, that he's not willing to become president. In the presidential scenario where he becomes president, that would lead to a new leader in Likud. And then that Likud leader would probably be prime minister because they've got the largest seats and then no one would have a problem sitting with Likud. Um, so that's another option, but that's not one that's been considered by Benjamin Netanyahu, at least not right now. Um, so I didn't mention that. And the other wild card is, is that the other option of ben, uh, Bennett and Saar, one of them being a prime minister first and sitting with uh, Benjamin Netanyahu second, um, that isn't really considered an option now because, as I said before, um, that was going to be the, the, the solution two days ago. But since then, Prime Minister Netanyahu has not even offered them that solution. So, he, so, so far, Benjamin Netanyahu is not willing to offer 
up the prime ministership. He's not willing to step down and become president. Um, he's holding to his guns, and I don't know if he, he thinks there's a good chance at a fifth election, or he believes that the idea of the Bennett Lapid government, that it couldn't stand uh, pressure, because if there is a situation, and Abbas uh, from, the, from the outside uh, Arab party vetoes it, then the government could fall. Maybe he's hoping that happens, and then it falls, and then there can be another election. I'm not really sure what Benjamin Neal is thinking right now, but he is not offered to step down and become president, and he has not offered the prime ministership to Bennett or Gideon Sarr as of today. Again, it, that could change in the next few minutes. It could change in the next few days. Uh, a lot can happen before Tuesday. And the one thing you know about Israeli politics, David, is that everything happens in the last minute. So we won't really know until Tuesday what's going to happen. It's, it's uh, quite fascinating. Now, uh, Bennett has the, the Gideon Sa'ar on the right and Lieberman on the right who want to uh, drive Netanyahu from office. They've sort of deferred to Naftali Bennett to do a lot of the negotiating uh, with Lapid about a unity government. And I understand that, that Bennett is arguing that since the Israeli electorate uh, elected by far a strong majority, 60% of the voters voted for a right-wing party, the cabinet that they would put together should reflect that. And most of the really prime cabinet positions should be held by parties from the right, even if the right, uh, the, uh, the right wing parties within the government coalition itself uh, don't make up a majority. And uh, I mean, this is an interesting thing, another new facet uh, here in Israeli politics. Well, it's even, it's even more interesting because what happened in the last election when they formed the unity government between Netanyahu and Gantz is they had to change the basic law of Israel, which means that you can have a position of alternate, alternate prime minister. So the law states that two people can have decision-making abilities on everything and you have to have consensus between the two people. Um, so in order for that to happen, there needs to be two blocks. So not only does that work when how you give out ministries, but that would be have something they have to agree that there is a right block and a left block and that they have equal footing in order for it to work unless they have to change again the basic law, which would then become more problematic. And uh, something we really, we've touched on it, but really haven't uh, addressed it much here that all this time, whether, you know, Netanyahu has a slight chance of retaining his seat as prime minister or whether he has to, can, can work out a solution, uh, an honorable solution where he stays in the prime minister's residence for a year or so while someone else serves. The whole time he's going to have to be facing these criminal charges and, and uh, what's your assessment of how of how the trial has been going? Uh, I think the main state witness in the in the worst case against him um, has, uh, you know, has he done a lot of damage? Uh, where do you see that going? Look, I don't think that the, uh, I think that the, the case itself has caused this rift, which made it a BB or no BB uh, position for parties, but the, but the actual trial is not causing any problems just because, in my opinion, it's going to be years before there's a verdict. It's not like, uh, you know, we're going to have the trial and then in a month from now, we'll know if it's guilty or not guilty or what is the, the answer. Um, a lot of people see the trial as, as, you know, a little malicious. I don't think it hurts him publicly. He keeps the same amount of seats regardless. Um, basically, he had 36 seats in the last election, but there wasn't the Smutrich party. And he told people to vote for the Smutrich party. So this election, he got 30, and the Smutrich party, religious Zionism, got six. So it's, he keeps his base no matter what's happening in his case. Uh, but it definitely has an effect on the position of other party leaders who want to sit with them. They say, you know, go handle your case and come back if, if everything's okay. Uh, the problem with that is, is that cases here in Israel drag on for years. And so we won't really have a, an answer in that um, one way or the other. Yeah. Do you think Gidon Sa'ar has sort of exploited this whole 
anti-BB atmosphere around these cases in order to, uh, he's a young rising politician and he's trying to take advantage of this now to, uh, to uh, take over Likud? No, I don't think this helps him within the Likud. I mean, uh, deposing a popular prime minister and leader of Likud is not gonna win him any uh, votes there. Um, I think he really believes that it's time for change, that we've had a prime minister Netanyahu for 12 years, that it's causing a lot of friction in society, that the country's split, and that the only way to make change is for him to start his own party and, and try to be the, the buffer. And he was correct. I mean, if, if you don't join the right right now uh, with Netanyahu, then Netanyahu will be prime minister. And because he's not, that's why we're in the situation we are today. Of course, he ran on that platform, that under no circumstances will he join uh, Benjamin Netanyahu because uh, he thinks it's time for, for new leadership. Um, it's a hard situation with Gideon Sar because on the, on the one hand, the people on the right really like Benjamin Netanyahu, but they also really like Gideon Sar. You know, it would be kind of like in, in, if you take it from an American point of view, right? If there was a fight between Ted Cruz and Donald Trump, uh, you know, and that's what happened when Trump got the nomination. Uh, there was a famous uh, Senator Ted Cruz says, vote your conscience. You know, he didn't endorse uh, Trump uh, because... Gideon is seen to the right of Netanyahu. In fact, he was endorsed when he ran for the election by the Yeshua Council, the council that runs Judea and Samaria. Gideon Sar was endorsed, not Benjamin Netanyahu. So uh, on the one hand, I think people on the right respect Gideon Sar. On the other hand, I know that people on the right want to see a right-wing government. And the question is, is that still possible? Um, but I, I, I think there's a lot more things to unplay here. There's a lot more tricks up everyone's sleeve. I mean, people are playing a, a, a very advanced level of game of chess here to see how to, how to end this quagmire. Um, and only time will tell. Um, what, uh, how, how does Israel fix the political system? It just seems like uh, you vote with its tribal politics. You vote within your tribe. And... Every election is just about, uh, um, you know, whether your tribe has grown or not, and uh, and are there any solutions, viable solutions that uh, could could really uh, um, see their way to passage in the Knesset? Yeah, look, there there's a lot of problems with the system how it works. First of all, I think we need a presidential system where you just elect the leader of the country. Um, second of all. You need direct elections. I mean, if the if the people who you're electing are not directly uh, engaged with the constituency, but only care what the party leader says, then that whole list is beholden to the party leader and not the citizenry. So I think having a direct elections would be a big deal. We need a constitution. Um, unfortunately, in Israel, because we were started in wartime uh, and we went from war to war, we never went and did the fundamentals. So we don't really have a constitution that dictates things that we take for granted in other countries like separation of powers, habeas corpus, uh, things that are like fundamentals of freedom in, in Western society. We don't really have, you know, we're kind of making up the rules as we go. Um, and we have a very aggressive judicial system that, that is involved in everything from, you know, which ministers can be appointed, what taxes can be raised. I mean, things that really the Supreme Court should not be involved in in a Western democracy. Um, here they're aggressively involved. So then there's a there's a question: Where does one uh, you know one of the powers end and one of the other one begin? You know what is the role of the executive? What's the role of the judiciary? What's the role of the legislator? And and, and everyone has a different answer. And I think because of that confusion, um, it's a very uh, fragile and you know unfunctioning system of government. Okay, and I. Uh, um... Let's talk for a minute. Uh, if if by next Tuesday Netanyahu can't form a government where where say within a year he comes back into the prime minister's seat, uh, you know what what uh, what is his legacy? Is he is he going to step down and and uh, and we can you know start writing the um, about his legacy? What all he's accomplished? What do you think are his big accomplishments? Well, first of all, no one knows what he's going to do. I think the general consensus is he will, he will not step down, that he will run as the opposition leader 
um, he'll believe that this uh, coalition of the right and the left together against him will fall apart and will go to another election within a year. Now, that's what he says, at least. The other option is he'll run for president, which is still an option until uh, middle of May, when all the candidates need to be finalized. So there are a lot of different things that uh, um, can happen. Uh, look, his, his legacy is, is, is pretty strong already, but lacking in some areas that the right would like to see but strong as from a, a you know, leadership position. He's been the longest serving prime minister in the history of Israel, more than Ben-Gurion. Um, he's brought us economically from a second world power to a first world power and one of the top first world powers. I mean, we're now an economic powerhouse. Um, we have had more unicorns and a unicorn is a privately held company valued at a billion dollars or more uh, in the last year in Israel than in all of Europe combined. So in, in Israel, we're in economic powerhouse, and it's a lot because of his changing over the system from socialism to capitalism. Uh, and also, uh, one of the big things that he would like to see is, like to see is the Abraham Accords. You know, he worked very hard on this idea that you don't need to give land for peace, that you need to give peace for peace. And that if you give true peace, and if you really want true peace, you need to get peace in response. And so he's been able to negotiate a lot of peace deals in the last few months. And I think that that's a huge part of his legacy. And, and lastly, even in the last few months, um, we're the first country to come out of the coronavirus pandemic. I know our government doesn't like to say it because they don't want to you know, disenfranchise people from getting the vaccine. But we have, because of the vaccine, we have herd immunity. Uh, there's almost no traces of coronavirus in Israel today. Everything's open up. And it was because he negotiated that deal with the president of Pfizer to, to get the vaccines first. And we're the first country to come out of coronavirus, which is also why we're seeing such economic success. Um, so I think that, uh, you know, as the right would have liked to see him, his legacy as, you know, uh, sovereignty in Judea and Samaria, uh, stopping the Oslo Accords, uh, things of that effect, his real legacy will be economic and diplomatic. Um, and I think that uh, he's done a great job in a lot of different areas. Uh, and lacking some, uh, but he has staying power and uh, I don't think he's leaving. So I think that whatever happens, you're still gonna see Benjamin Netanyahu on the political stage um, here in Israel. Uh, a lot of people are, are, are shocked by it because most people would just cash out. You know, he can go and he can go on a speaking tour and probably get a million dollars a speech. And, you know, uh, a lot of people would find that very lucrative, and but he doesn't. He be, he believes that you know he needs to stick around uh, here in politics. So I don't think you've seen the last of that now, regardless of what happens in the next few days. Yeah, you, you mentioned the Abraham Accords, and I, I think it's a real missed opportunity right now. If Netanyahu didn't have these domestic troubles, the sort of fruits he could be reaping out there with some of these Sunni Arab states, in particular because the Iranian nuclear threat is is starting to escalate again because of the uh, the appeasement policies of the Biden administration. But uh, you and I both know that the the Sunni Arab countries have have uh, really moved closer to Israel, and some of them openly now embracing uh, diplomatic relations with Israel because Netanyahu went to Washington defying uh, a democratic president. He's taken a lot of heat from the Democrats in the US. A lot of them would like to see him out. But when he stood up to an American president in front of a Congress that really wanted to hear uh, his side about the dangers of this uh, um, the pending uh, international agreement on Iran's nuclear program, that really won him uh, a lot of respect in Saudi Arabia and elsewhere because they knew he was standing up for them as well, that America was turning its back on some of uh, its traditional allies in the region in order to, to try and appease Iran. And uh, for me, that moment, uh, there's not, I don't know of another Israeli leader who, who would have done that. And maybe it was his experience uh, of uh, growing up some in the States of going to school there. He was comfortable in America. He knows the political scene there and he knew he had enough support in Congress, even among some Democrats to go and do that. And I think that was a real watershed moment for his career that, that Israelis 
should appreciate it. Whatever they're doing to try and chase him from office, he changed the re region with what was a controversial move, but really uh, um, it, it's, it's borne fruit now in these agreements with these Arab countries. Don't you agree? Well, David, you gotta, you're gonna only know the answer to that in 10 years from now, because as you know, the Iran deal is back on the Biden administration's uh, list. They're willing to do anything to get it done. Uh, Iran says they're gonna wipe Israel off the map. Uh, Biden's gonna stop the sanctions. Uh, that's what they're reporting. So if Iran does get nuclear weapons, the big question will be, and the big legacy for Netanyahu, I think will be, is why didn't we use a military option? Why go and do diplomatic relations and go before Congress and uh, do sanctions and more sanctions if in the end they got nukes and now they're going to use nukes on us? Why didn't we hit the facilities uh, when we had the chance? So I think uh, it could be that that was a watershed moment and that led to the uh, Abraham Accords and that led to the end of the nuclear um, capabilities of Iran. But if it doesn't, then that will be used as, in hindsight, people will say, wow, we really missed the opportunity to stop Iran from getting nukes with a military option. So again, that kind of legacy talk we'll only know when we see how it plays out with Iran. Um, I think we're on, on the road to war with Iran just because of America's uh, willingness to re-engage them with the, nuclear, with the, uh, um, with the uh, Iran deal, the JCPOA deal. Uh, so if that comes out, then it, it doesn't matter if, if, by, if, if Netanyahu is prime minister or Naftali Bennett, we go to a military option. I think that, you know, whoever is prime minister, they'll have to do that. Uh, and that will also bring the uh, moderate Arab countries closer to us because they're more scared of Iran than we are. Uh, so I, I think that issue itself maybe won't be decided yet, but certainly the Abraham Accords and the fact that we're a huge power here economically uh, and that we do have relations, that will be always part of Benjamin Netanyahu's legacy. And, and I don't think anyone can take that away from him. Yeah. And also uh, some of these covert operations to set back the Iranian nuclear program. There has been this shadow war going on, which the Israeli side of the ledger is way up above Iran. Uh, I think the pressure is building on them to retaliate. And I do have concerns like you that uh, we may see uh, a wider outbreak of hostilities between Israel and Iran. But, you know, this brings up the corollary question uh, uh, of all these would-be kings, Bennett, Lapid, or Gantz, or whoever saw, uh, can any of them really lead the country in a, you know, a confrontation, say, with the Biden administration over its diplomacy with Iran, or in a conf uh, outright confrontation with Iran? Look, you know, uh, only time will tell, David. Uh, we don't know because they're untested. But we've seen uh, very recently that sometimes outsiders are better uh, qualified to lead than insiders. Uh, and sometimes fresh blood is better than uh, old blood when it comes to politics. Uh, so I think that that's a huge question mark. I mean, of course, no one has the diplomatic abilities of Benjamin Netanyahu. Uh, you know, Putin respects him. Uh, the Americans respect him. Uh, you know, he gets to India at the airport and the, the president of a country of 1.3 billion people meets him there and gives him a big hug. So he definitely has the connections and the abilities. But to say that someone else wouldn't have the ability to, to lead, um, maybe a, a new prime minister would be less worried about what the world thinks and say, hey, we're, we're our own country and we're going to do what's best for Israel. And to heck with what everyone else thinks. You know, uh, you don't know. Um, certainly it's a concern. Uh, definitely people are nervous about that. Uh, but it's too, too uh, soon to say uh, that uh, another leader wouldn't do a better job uh, in that arena until we've actually seen them try to intrude. I think, look, I think that's one of the big appeals of Benjamin Netanyahu. You know, things are going well in Israel. Uh, why change it? You know, why, why change now? And I think that's why, you know, one in three Jewish Israelis vote for Netanyahu every single time. Uh, because of that uh, um, feeling. Um, on the other hand, people say, look, you know, it's time to get the next generation involved. We need new blood, we need new leadership, uh, and maybe things can be done better. So uh, those two points of view are going to come to a clash 
on Tuesday. <laughs> someone's gonna be someone's gonna get their way. Okay, so the answer is stay tuned. Uh, we'll see what happens uh, to next Tuesday. Is a you know uh, an important moment when Netanyahu's mandate from the president to form a government runs out. Normally, you could get like a, a two week extension. I doubt that'll. I doubt Rivlin will give that if he asks for it. Uh, he may hand, I hand it to uh, Lapid or to Bennett. Uh, they may have some deal already worked out where Rivlin gives it to one, and they quickly can can form something. Or you know, there's always the new elections going on. But uh, um, uh, you know, Israel's been without a, a, a stable. Uh, government for the foreseeable future for almost over two years now. It seems like you don't need a government here, really. That's one of the lessons. But there are some things that- Yeah, one of the lessons of this is that less government is better. I think, you know, they always uh, focus on every time I have an election, it costs the economy so much money. But I've never seen a report on how much money we saved by uh, bloated government uh, budgets over the last two years. I bet you it's uh, in the billions. Um, just on the fact that there's been no budget, and yet things have been running pretty smoothly. I mean, we're the first country to come out of Corona. Our economy's on fire. Our shekel is is worth more than ever before uh, to the dollar. So maybe that's the real lesson that, that Israel's better without a government. <laughs> I, I'm joking, of course, because uh, we do need a government, a stable government, so that we can make decisions. And a lot of decisions have been hampered because of it. Um, but, uh, I think that, uh, um, you know, it hasn't been as, uh, you know, problematic as some would have affected. I mean, it sounds crazy. No real government for two years. So yeah, yeah. Sounds like a mess. I mean, we, we can joke about it, but if you're facing Israeli bureaucracy, uh, and there's no minister or someone up there who really has power to do something, you're in trouble here. And we, we know that as a ministry it's uh, it can be difficult uh and i well, think I have bad news david no matter who wins the prime ministership you're going to be facing a lot of israeli that, bureaucracy yeah. that's not going away i'll tell you that <laughs> yeah. but uh look you you would have some friends lined up in the knesset there to help us that would be nice and uh, all the best in we do we got the christian allies caucus and uh they very much love the work and the activities around the world, the International Christian Allies Caucus, yeah. uh, International Christian Embassy, um, and we are, you know, multi-party. It doesn't matter really who the prime minister is to us. We're right to left, religious, secular. Um, our chairperson always uh, comes from a different party. So yes. this this doesn't affect the work of the Knesset Christian Allies Caucus and the partnership with the ICJ um, because we're we work on consensus issues. You know, the threat of Iran. Uh, Jerusalem as our capital and anti-Semitism BDS, which all parties pretty much uh, can agree on. Okay. Um, look, all the best there with the work in the Knesset Christian Allies Caucus and also with the Israel Allies Foundation, 50 uh, sister caucuses now in 50 parliaments around the world. All the best with that, Josh. And uh, he's got a new book out. What is that? Uh, the, um, from Ty from uh, Titus, Titus Trump and the Triumph of Israel. There you go. Get your copy on Amazon today. There you go. <laughs> Titus Trump and the Triumph it's of Israel. It's about the power of faith-based diplomacy. Yeah, it's a good read. It's a good read. And uh, um, uh, look, we want to, we've had a request here. We want to go back one more time through these Israeli leaders who are involved in trying to form a, uh, a new government and get Israel out of this political impasse. And as we show you these, I just want to say, I think overall, this has been a call to prayer. Josh, we're going to be praying for these figures. We got a lot of Christians out there who care for Israel, who fast and pray for Israel. And uh, so let's... Uh, Go back through this. Uh, the, of course, Lieberman, Smotrich, uh, Mansoor Abbas, Benny Gantz. I think Benny Gantz did the right thing last time in forming a government with Israel, uh, with Netanyahu in the midst of the uh, Corona pandemic for the sake of the good of the country. And we need these all these guys to think in those terms. Um, let me see. I can't uh, quite get up to... Um, 
to the others. Uh, one second. We'll try it one more time. We had this request come through to show these figures again. Okay, those were the results again. The parties on the right, uh, center left, the Ra'am party uh, that are jockeying for who's going to really uh, hold the reins of power in this new Knesset. And here again, Prime Minister Netanyahu, Yair Lapid, Naftali Bennett, he's really in the, in the driver's seat about the decision here. So really pray for Naftali Bennett and get on Sa'ar, uh, um, who uh, Josh has explained uh, is uh, also very much um, uh, on, you know, on security issues. He's a, he's a hawk. He wants to defend Israel and hold on to uh, uh, Judea, Samaria as much as they can. And uh, before we go, we have, uh, thanks again, Josh, for joining us. God bless you to your wife, your family. All the best. Okay. Thank you. It was a great uh, pleasure being here and uh, hope to see you guys soon. And uh, whoever wins, just remember God is in control. And we okay. wanted to do his plan. Okay. Our, our plan is less important. Yes. <laughs> Thank yes. you. All right. Uh, people are still asking for the chart. If you go to the uh, knesset.gov.il, you can see the latest Knesset there and the, the breakdown of the parties and what we're dealing with. That's a good place to get that information uh, directly yourself. And uh, if uh, Calera, our helper, can put up the uh, stand up for Israel at the ICC, we want to just say a word about our new global petition uh, to the International Criminal Court in The Hague, where we are coming against this uh, probe that they've launched to investigate Israel for war crimes uh, in uh, the different confrontations with Hamas down in Gaza, and also considering uh, Jewish settlement building in Judea and Samaria, and even in East Jerusalem, uh, they, they want to declare it uh, uh, a, a war crime as if uh, this was as bad as what the Nazis did. It's outrageous. We have a global petition that we have put out there. Uh, you can go sign it uh, at on.icej.org slash ICC petition, all small letters, on.icej.org slash ICC petition. Please go on there and sign it, get your friends to sign it. Uh, and we wanna, uh, we're gonna present it to the different countries that are members of the International Criminal Court to the judges and to the new chief prosecutors coming in this summer. Uh, and uh, really it's important, it's an outrage that uh, Israel today uh, trying to exercise its right of self-defense, trying to defend its people and even just building in their ancient homeland are, are being compared uh, as if they were Nazi war criminals and we, we won't stand for it please join your voice to ours. And we also want to mention you can join us next week here on Wednesday for our global prayer gathering. And then next Thursday, our weekly ICEJ webinar. Uh, we're going to be talking, uh, it's Yom Yerushalayim, just a couple of days before Jerusalem Day on the Hebrew calendar. And uh, we're going to be honoring uh, Jerusalem. Uh, my colleague, uh, um, Mormir Kalos, our Vice President for International Affairs, will be speaking there about the importance of Jerusalem to Christians. We'll have a nice uh, Yom Rushalim greeting from the Deputy Mayor of Jerusalem floor, uh, Hassan Naum, a uh, very lovely lady. She came to our feast last year and, and uh, or, uh, has been really uh, helpful in reaching out to Christians on behalf of the city and the Jewish people. And so join us next week for the webinar, uh, Why Jerusalem is Important to Christians. So thank you for joining us. All the best. Thanks again to Josh Reinstein of the uh, Christian Allies Caucus. And uh, God bless you.
Take care. See you next year in Jerusalem.